Amen. I'll invite you to turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3. I want to tell you about a, a woman by the name of Lillian B. Yeomans. She was born in 1861. Her father was a um, uh, pretty well-known doctor, physician, and he did a lot of work with the uh, military during the Civil War. She followed in her father's footsteps. This yeoman followed in her father's footsteps and um, graduated medical school at the age of 21 and immediately went into practice. She was joined in that medical practice by her sister and her mother even for a time. And they were the type of physician assistants that they were offering and had available was in the inner cities. And they saw a lot of poverty. They saw a lot of distress. They worked primarily with women and children. And so as a result, Dr. Yeomans began taking morphine to be able to sleep at night. And before she was able to get a handle on it, she wound up addicted. Her addiction was very, very severe. It said that she was at the height of its, its power over her. She was taking 50 times what an adult male would, would take if they were drug users as well. And so it became something that was completely out of control. It, can, it dominated her life. And so in 1898, she went to John Alexander Dowie's Healing Homes outside of Chicago. And when she was there, she said that she had a lot of spare time. It wasn't a, a, a treatment that was taking place in the Healing Homes. It wasn't something that was keeping her busy or keeping her occupied. And so she turned to the Bible for solace to try to gain some comfort in this situation concerning this addiction. And she began going through the Bible. She found first and foremost that God was not the author of sickness. She recognized from the creation account that God didn't make sickness. And so therefore it wasn't something that he was behind or something that he used to teach or train anybody in any way whatsoever. And she, as she discovered more and more about the character and the nature of God from the word, from the Bible that she was reading, she came to the place where she received her healing. It was a, an instantaneous type thing. It didn't work the way that you or I might be accustomed to or that we might think that it would work. She didn't speak out and voice her faith to take hold of the healing power of God, she just all of a sudden had no further desire for the drugs. It just simply departed from her body. And as you can well imagine, this made an impact on the rest of her family, her mother and her sister who were still working in the, the medical clinic that they had started, founded. And so she, shortly thereafter, shortly after the, the time when she received her healing, her mother died, and, and she and her sister came into an inheritance that was substantial. And so they went and bought 
a large home that they could use for a healing home like she had experienced and received her healing from Dowie's, Dr. Alexander Dowie's ministry. And she never claimed to have any special call on her life. She never identified that God had specifically called her to preach or to have a healing ministry. But she learned from the experience that she had in Dowie's healing homes some things that she felt like might be a better, provide a better benefit, a greater benefit to the sick that were interested in coming. And she recognized, just as in her case, everybody else that was in Dowie's healing home at the time that she was there, were reaching out in desperation. They had nothing else. There was no plan B. There was no other option. They were just reaching out to God in desperation. And so she and her sister devised a treatment plan for those that would come to the healing homes that they were running. The majority of the people that came to the homes were referred by physicians, medical doctors, after they had done everything they could and basically had given up on their case. And this is Dr. Dow- this is Dr. Yeoman's treatment plan. Every day, morning and evening, they would read the word to the patients. They would take their breakfast in and sit with them and read the word. They would take their dinner into them and sit with them and read the word. And they always read the same thing. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13. They would read Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us. For it is written cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. And that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. Now there was very little teaching or preaching that they did their emphasis was very much on the word of God and the word of God alone Dr. Yeoman's experience in being healed in the home that uh, Dowie's ministry provided her experience led her to believe that if anybody just had a, a sufficient and accurate knowledge of God concerning the subject of healing then that power of God which was resident in his word would affect healing and a change in their bodies. So very little was said, very little explanation came with the reading of the word. One of the things that they would explain is the fact that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. They would identify that the only way we can know what the curse of the law is is to go back to the Old Testament and find out what the curse is. So they would take them to Deuteronomy chapter 28. And they would read the entirety of the chapter. Verse 1, And it shall come to pass that if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all of his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. And all of these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, 
if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, and the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shalt be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand unto. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish a holy people unto himself as he has sworn unto thee. If thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. And all people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods, in the fruit of your body, and in the fruit of your cattle, and in the fruit of your ground, in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give thee. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven, to give the rain unto thy land in his season, to bless all the work of thine hand, and thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only and thou shalt not be beneath. If that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them. And thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. Now folks, I want you to realize there's nothing in that first part of the chapter that speaks to healing in any way whatsoever. It doesn't say the Lord will heal you. Because God's intent through obedience to his word is that we walk in health. Not that we go from sickness to healing, sickness to healing, sickness to healing. But that, they wa that we walk in health. And that the healing power of God is simply the eternal life, the life of God that we receive when we make Jesus the Lord of our lives. Paul said the same thing in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. He said, if the same spirit of, that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you, he'll quicken your mortal bodies. We have healing power within us, resident within us, because of what Jesus has done. But then that brings us to verse 15. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all of his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Cursed shalt thou be in the city, and cursed shalt thou be in the field. Cursed shall be thy basket and thy store. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the fruit of your land, the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep. Cursed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and cursed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation, and rebuke, in all that thou settest thine hand for, unto for to do, until thou be destroyed, and until thou, thou perish quickly, because of the wickedness of thy doings, whereby thou hast forsaken me. Now folks, let's stop there just long enough to make a couple of points. If God wanted these curses to come upon mankind, it would have been a very simple and easy way for that to take place. Just don't tell them about what, to, what word to obey. Don't give them any commandments. And some of the verses in this chapter are going to make it seem that God is putting sickness. Here it says vexation. That God is putting sickness on mankind. 
But Hebrew scholars tell us that the Hebrew language has a permissive verb and a causative verb that the English doesn't have. And as a result, the translators, for the most part, use the causative verb or the causative tense of the word that's being used rather than the permissive. God can't be using vexation or sickness against his people because he doesn't have any sickness. Sickness was not created by God. When God made an end of everything he created after the first six days of the creation account, he looked at it and said that it was very good. In other words, it was a perfect environment. There was no sickness or disease. It says that after the end of the sixth day, God made an end of everything that he made. So if he didn't make sickness in the first six days, he didn't make sickness at all. Now certainly, God permits things, the consequence of disobedience. But that's really not his doing. He gives mankind the option to be obedient to the word and avoid all the consequences, avoid the sickness and disease and all the other tragedies that come with it. He's not the one behind sickness. Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Sickness is satanic oppression. Jesus, by the will of God, destroyed the works of the devil. He destroyed sickness and disease every time he came in contact with it as an expression of God's will. So even though the translators through their lack of understanding about God's kingdom and God's character, even though they gave us some challenging words to explain, it's very simple when you understand that God is good and only good. Sickness is bad or evil and only evil. Verse 21, the Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee. Until he has consumed thee from off the land, whether thou goest to possess it. The Lord shall smite thee with a consumption and with a fever, and with an inflammation and with an extreme burning, and with the sword and with blasting and with mildew, and they shall pursue thee until thou perish. You can see again and again the translators are translating this in the causative sense because their understanding of how God works was clearly that God would bring evil upon the disobedient and blessing upon the good. Folks, God can't play both sides of the street. He's always the same. He never changes. And the Bible tells us which side he's on. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Since there's no variableness in God, that, can't, that means that it's impossible for him to be a healing on one hand and making sick on the other hand. It's absolutely impossible. Verse 23, and the heaven that is over thy head shall be brass, and the earth that is under thee shall be iron. The Lord shall make the, land, the rain of thy land powder and dust. From heaven shall it come down upon thee until thou be destroyed. The Lord shall cause thee to be smitten before thine enemies. Thou shalt go out one, one way against them and flee seven ways before them, and shall be removed unto all the kingdoms of the earth. And thy carcass shall be meat unto all the fowls of the air, and under the beasts of the earth, and no man shall fray them away. 
The Lord will smite thee with the botch of Egypt and with the hemorrhoids and with the scab and with the itch whereof thou canst not be healed. The Lord shall smite thee with madness and blindness and astonishment of heart. And thou shalt grope at noonday as the blind gropeth in darkness. And thou shalt not prosper in thy ways. Thou shalt be only oppressed and spoiled evermore and no man shall save thee. Thou shalt betroth a wife and another man shall lie with her. Thou shalt build a house and thou shalt not dwell therein. Thou shalt plant a vineyard and shalt not gather the grapes thereof. Thine ox shall be slain before thine eyes and thou shalt not eat thereof. Thine ass shall be violently taken from before thy face and shall not be restored unto thee. Thy sheep shall be given unto thine enemies and thou shalt have none to rescue them. Thy sons and thy daughters will be given to another people and thine eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all the day long and there shall be no might in thine hand. The fruit of thy land and, thy, and thou, all thy labors shall a nation which thou knowest not eat up and thou shalt be only oppressed and crushed always so that thou shalt be mad for the sight of thine eyes which thou shalt see. The Lord shall smite thee in the knees and in the legs with a sore botch that cannot be healed from the sole of thy foot unto the top of thy head. The Lord shall bring thee and thy king which thou shalt set over thee unto a nation which neither thou nor thy fathers have known. And there thou shalt serve other gods, wood and stone. And thou shalt become an astonishment, a proverb and a byword among all nations, whether the Lord shall lead thee. Thou shalt carry much seed out into the field and shall gather but little in, for the locusts shall consume it. Thou shalt plant vineyards and dress them, but thou shalt neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes, for the worms shall eat them. Thou shalt have olive trees throughout all thy coast, but thou shalt not anoint thyself with the oil, for thine olives shall cast his fruit. Thou shalt beget sons and daughters, but thou shalt not enjoy them, for they shall go into captivity. All thy trees and fruit of thy land shall the locusts consume. The stranger that is within thee shall get thee up uh, above thee very high, and thou shalt come down very low. He shall lend to thee, and, th and thou shalt not lend to him. He shall be the head, and thou shalt be the tail. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon thee, and pursue thee, and overtake thee, till thou be destroyed. Because thou hearkenest not unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to keep his commandments and his statutes, which he has commanded thee. And they shall be upon thee for a sign and for a wonder, and upon thy seed forever. Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. Therefore shalt thou serve thine enemies, which the Lord shall send against thee, in hunger and in thirst and in nakedness and in want of all things. And he shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck until he has destroyed thee. The Lord shall bring a nation against thee from far, from the end of the earth, as swift as the eagle flies, a nation whose tongue thou shalt not understand, a nation of fierce countenance which thou shalt not regard, which shall not regard the person of the old, nor show favor to the young. And he shall eat the fruit of thy cattle and the fruit of thy land until thou be destroyed, which also shall not leave thee either corn, wine, or oil, or the increase of thy kind or flocks of thy sheep until he has destroyed thee. And he shall besiege thee in all thy gates until thy high and fenced walls come down, wherein thou trustest throughout all thy land. And he shall besiege thee in all thy gates throughout all thy land, which the Lord thy God has given thee. And thou shalt eat the fruit of thine own body, the flesh of thy sons and of thy daughters, 
which the Lord thy God has given thee in the siege and in the straightness wherewith thine enemies shall distress thee. So that man, the man that is tender among you and very delicate, his eye shall be evil, evil toward his brother and toward the wife of his bosom and toward the remnant of his children which he shall leave. So that he will not give to any of them of the flesh of his children whom he shall eat because he has nothing left him in the siege and in the straightness whereof thine enemies shall distress thee in all thy gates. The tender and delicate woman among you, which would not adventure to set the sole of her foot upon the ground for delicateness and tenderness, her eyes shall be evil toward her husband, the husband of her bosom, and toward her son and toward her daughter, and toward her young one that cometh out from between her feet, and toward her children which she shall bear, for she shall eat them for want of all things, secretly in the siege and the straightness, wherewith thine enemy shall distress thee in thy gates. If thou wilt not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that thou mayest fear the glorious and fearful name, the Lord thy God, then the Lord will make thy plagues wonderful, and the plagues of thy seed even great plagues, and of long continuance, and sore sicknesses, and of long continuance. Moreover, he will bring upon thee all the diseases of Egypt, which thou wast afraid of, and they shall cleave unto thee. Also every sickness and every plague which is not written in this book of the in the book of this law, them will the Lord bring upon thee until thou be destroyed. And you shall be left few in number, whereas you were as the stars of heaven for multitude, because thou would not obey the voice of the Lord thy God. And it shall come to pass that as the Lord rejoiced over you to do you good and to multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and to bring you to naught. To naught. And you shall be plucked from off the land whether thou goest to possess it. And the Lord shall scatter thee among all people from the one end of the earth even unto the other. And there thou shalt serve other gods which neither thou nor thy fathers have known, even wood and stone. And among these nations shall they find no ease, neither shall the sole of thy foot have rest. But the Lord shall give thee there a trembling heart and a failing eyes and sorrow of mind. And thy life shall hang in doubt before thee and thou shalt fear day and night, and thou shalt have none assurance of thy life. In the morning thou shalt say, Would God it were evening, and at evening thou shalt, thou shalt say, Would God it were morning. For the fear of thine heart wherewith thou shalt fear, and for the sight of thine eyes which thou shalt see. And the Lord shall bring un thee unto Egypt again with ships, by the way thereof I spake unto you. Thou shalt see it no more again, and there that you shall be sold unto your enemies for bondmen and bondwomen, and no man shall buy you. That's, those are tough conditions. Now, Dr. Yeomans, as I said, would read these verses with very little, if any, explanation. Folks, I think there's something that many times we fail to recognize. And that is the power of God is in his word. It's not just in the preaching of his word. It's not in our ability to teach the word. The power is in the word. Paul said in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and to the Gentile. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, the word, is the power of God unto salvation. Now that word salvation is a word that, there's two primary words that are used in the New Testament for salvation. 
And they both mean pretty much the same thing. One word is sozo, and I think the other word is soteria. I'm not sure what the real difference is when you use one word and when you use the other word, but both of them are an all-inclusive term. It means to rescue. It means to deliver. It means to make safe. It means to make sound. It means to heal. The work of Jesus is an all-inclusive work. The Word of God is the power of God in an all-inclusive manner. The answer for every one of life's problems is always the Word. Not what we think about the Word, but what God said. Now you'll notice in some of the things that we read, there were a number of diseases that were specifically identified. 14 of them, I think. Then it also says in verse 60, all the diseases of Egypt that thou knowest. So there must be more diseases that they were familiar with from the time that they were in Egypt, other than the ones, the 14 or so that were identified or enumerated. And then in verse 61, it's like God said, if I've left any others out, if I've missed anything at all, every sickness not written in this book of the law, those are a part of the curse of disobedience too. Now, folks, under the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, obedience to the Word was a do it or else. But under the New Covenant, the better covenant established upon better promises, according to Hebrews 8, 6. Under the New Covenant, obedience is to believe in Jesus. Somebody asked Jesus once, what was the work that they should do? And he said, believe on me. That's the work of the Father is to believe on Jesus. Now look with me to, to Psalm 107 real quickly. Psalm 107. Let's start in verse 17. Fools because of their transgression and because of their iniquities are afflicted. Now folks, that is exactly the... the condition of the curse that we just read in Deuteronomy chapter 28 people that choose to disobey people that foolishly fail to obey or do what the word of God says fools because of their transgression and because of their iniquities are afflicted their soul abhorreth all manner of meat and they draw near unto the gates of death then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and he saveth them out of their distresses the mercy of God is available in every situation. The mercy of God is available even if somebody finds themselves experiencing the consequences that Deuteronomy chapter 28 warns them of. And that's the very thing that causes some people to turn back toward God. And there he is. Always willing to help. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saves them out of their distresses. But how does he save? How does he save, save people, the disobedient, from their distresses? How does he bring deliverance and healing and safety and soundness and wholeness back to them? Notice verse 20. He sent his word and healed them. He sent his word and healed them. Now, we know that Jesus is the word made flesh. 
So we could certainly identify or interpret that scripture to mean that Jesus went to the cross to pay the price for sin and sickness. And that's how he makes available his healing power to restore the disobedient back into his favor. But you know as well as I do that just being a Christian does not qualify somebody or guarantee somebody that they're going to be saved in every case, in every instance. That's why there's so much disagreement and doubt on the subject of healing, whether it's God's will to heal everybody, for example. The church argues with that and has argued that ever since Jesus was resurrected. And there's a lot of the church that has determined or established themselves in a doctrine, a belief system, that God does heal somebody, God, God does heal people sometimes. But you never know how and you never know when. And so as a result, because of a lack of knowledge of God's will, they pray, Lord, heal me if it's your will. Which is a prayer that God cannot answer. Because the prayer of faith is what takes hold of the things of God. The prayer of faith is the thing that takes hold of healing just like any other benefit that God provided through the work of Jesus on the cross. And faith begins where the will of God is known. You can't pray the prayer of faith if you don't know it's, your, it's God's will. Now that's one of the things that Dr. Yeoman stumbled up on. And it was miraculous, really, if you think about it. It was miraculous how that the Holy Ghost led her to the place where she was able to receive on her own. Because she wasn't receiving much help, instruction, or anything else for that matter from Dr. Dowie's healing homes. Dr. Dowie was greatly used of God. Some of the miracles that took place in his ministry were just, were and are mind-boggling. But it was much more of a gift ministry than anything else. He taught, he preached certainly. But there was a miracle ministry that God had given him that was the primary source for the, the healings and the miracles that took place in his ministry. You can go online and search some of the pictures of Dr. Dowie's church in Zion, Illinois. And when somebody would be healed out of a wheelchair, they'd hang the wheelchair on the walls. The problem is they ran out of wall space. Huge building, real high walls, and there was not a, a, an inch or any space left on the walls for all the people that had been healed. Crutches, braces, wheelchairs, they'd even hang stretchers up when people would be healed from some crippling condition. But primarily those things happened as a result of the gift of God, the special anointing, the special healing ministry that he had. And so in the healing homes that he provided, there's not a lot of evidence of success that they had. But Dr. Yeomans was led by the Holy Ghost into the things that she needed to know, the truth that she had to take hold of. And it brought her to healing. It brought her to a complete and total deliverance. Instantly. That addiction to drugs that had held her in bondage for so many years, it disappeared instantly. 
not as a result of her prayer, as a result of her diligence to search the word to find out where is God in this situation and what can I hope for. Most people, well, let me say it this way. Let me turn around and say it the other way. The vast majority would fail to get anything in the same situation that she found herself in. I look back at some of the things that we hear and know about Brother Hagin's healing, how he took hold of his healing. I think most people would have died in his situation. But he was sensitive to the direction of the Holy Ghost. He was diligent to follow the, the things that the Spirit of God impressed upon him to receive his healing much in the same way that Dr. Yeomans did. Most people don't have success in those same ways. Most people get discouraged and believe the wrong thing when they don't see results as quickly as they'd like to. So here's God in Psalm 107 helping the people that are afflicted because of their own wrongdoings. They cry unto the Lord in their distress, their trouble, and he saves them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Brother Hagin, after having been bedfast for about 18 months, with a deformed heart, with a blood disease, with a couple of other ailments that any one of them in and by itself would have taken somebody's life. Brother Hagin was willing to accept the instruction of the Holy Ghost. For example, the Lord brought to his attention that in Mark chapter 5, the woman with issue of blood was healed on her own faith. At the time, Brother Hagin was struggling with the idea of whether it was God's will to heal everybody or not. He got his family to, to bring in a, a well-known pastor in the town that they were in, and he offered them no hope whatsoever. His church, his denomination, didn't believe in the healing power of God for everybody. So I guess in a way, in an attempt to bring him comfort, he just told him that it wouldn't be long before he died and all this would be over. That's not very encouraging for somebody that wants to be healed and live. But the Holy Ghost brought to his attention in Mark chapter 5, the woman with the issue of blood, and asked him a question. The Lord asked him, did you notice that her faith made her whole? He responded that he hadn't seen that. So he got out Mark chapter 5 again. And he saw it. Verse 34, Jesus said, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Then the Lord said, If her faith made her whole, your faith can make you whole. Now, why didn't the Lord just take pity on Brother Hagin and cause healing power to fall from 
heaven and just raise him up. It almost seems in some circumstances that we hear about and the struggles that some people experience, the devil's quick to make it seem or to whisper in your ear that it's not fair, that God's not being faithful. He's not doing all that he can to help and deliver and to heal. I had the Lord ask me something one time. I was in the middle of a situation where I wasn't handling it very well. Of course, to out, from an outward appearance, everybody, uh, nobody would have known much of anything was going on. But I was struggling with something. And I guess I was complaining to the Lord. Wasn't doing it out loud, but he heard me. And the Lord asked me a question. He said, in what way have I not been faithful? Folks, that turned everything around for me. In what way have I not been faithful? And I realized that even in the things that I was complaining about, and it had to do with time. It had to do with not seeing results as quickly as I wanted to see them. And that's something that the devil always tries to use against you. He tries to wear you out so that you'll give up. And so that was my complaint to the Lord. And he asked me just as simply as possible, in what way have I not been faithful? It jarred me to my core because I realized that there had never been any way in his dealings with me that he had not been faithful. And on top of that, rather than it affecting me like it was a rebuke. It caused me to have a greater faith, a greater confidence in the words that I'd already been speaking. The deliverance and the answer that I had been proclaiming. Folks, thoughts of doubts that aren't spoken can't stop you from receiving God, what God has provided for us. It's your words that govern your life, not your thoughts. Now, I don't mean to minimize the importance of renewing our mind to the word so that we're always thinking the right thoughts. But you know as well as I do, that's a process. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just snap our fingers and have a renewed mind in every area? But it takes time. It's exactly what Dr. Yeomans did when she began to search the scriptures for herself. She's in the process of renewing her mind. And apparently when she came to the point where her mind was renewed sufficiently about God's attitude and willingness to heal, that must be the thing that triggered her own healing. It wasn't something that she opened her eyes and realized, I don't have any desire for the drugs. It was something that she realized over a short period of a couple of days or whatever it might have been that the craving and the desire for it was gone. God sent his word and healed us and delivered us from our destructions. Folks, there is nothing more powerful than the word of God in our mouth. I know we like to think of the power of God in different ways than that. 
We think of the power of God transferred from somebody laying hands on them or proclaiming some miracle result. But there is nothing more powerful than God's word spoken from your lips. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three word, uh, mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. God's word is established in heaven. Jesus said it this way. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never fail. God's word is established as far as he's concerned when he speaks it and when he gave it to us. Then when we speak it, it's established on our end. And nothing can stop. Nothing can overcome. Nothing is more powerful than the word of God believed in the heart and spoken with the mouth. And it'll change anything. It'll change everything. And it never fails. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He's redeemed us from every sickness and every disease. Those that are enumerated in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and every sickness that's not mentioned. We are redeemed by the work of Jesus, the finished work of Jesus. We are redeemed from sickness and disease. So what are we to do? Well, I don't know about you, but I'm going to exercise my authority to make it true in my life. I'm going to say what God's word says. I'm going to speak. Jesus took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses, and with his stripes I am healed. And no matter how long it takes, no matter what we see between here and there, that word held fast to, that confession held fast to, cannot fail because God's word is true. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your great plan of redemption. We thank you that Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. He redeemed us from spiritual death. He redeemed us from poverty. And he redeemed us from sickness and disease. Thank you, Father, that that is an established fact. It's not a promise that is yet to come. It's a work that's finished. Therefore, we declare that we are healed by the stripes of Jesus. Heaven and earth may pass away, but that truth, that truth of healing that was accomplished for us by the work of Jesus, that word cannot fail. Father, we thank you that your word in our lips is the power of God to deliver, to make safe, to make sound, to make whole, to heal our bodies. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's just worship him for a moment, please. We magnify your name, Lord. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for your healing work, Jesus. 
Therefore, you are the great physician. You are the healer. We bless you, Father, for your word. We magnify the word of God. And all that that was accomplished by Jesus taking our place. Just as Jesus was made sin for our sake, who knew no sin, the scripture says that he was made sick so that by his stripes we are healed. We magnify you, Holy Father. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the truth of our healing shall never fail. Our confession of faith to take hold of our healing shall never fail. Thank you, Father, for loving us so much that you gave us your Son. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being faithful to accomplish that plan of redemption so that we can now declare and proclaim that not only are we the righteousness of God, but we're the healed of God as well. We bless you, Father. We magnify you. In Jesus' name, amen. The presence of God is here, folks. If you need something, just reach up and take it. It's right here for us. Just reach out in faith and take hold. Hallelujah. We bless you, Father. Well, say it with me. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. Amen. God bless you folks. Thanks for being with us.